welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. to do that. Uh, The text I just read came from Hebrews chapter 9. Much like uh, last week, I'll just warn you again, we're not drilling down into one passage as uh, I like to do, Uh, but over the course of this series, we've been seeing a a scope, uh, or or we've been seeing how how these truths play play out across the scope uh, of Scripture. More of a survey, if you will, of how these play out. What we've been looking at, you can uh, see that on the screen, uh, we're the uh, the fourth installment of this series. So we've talked about in Scripture alone, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, this week in Christ alone. Uh, next week we'll talk about God's glory alone. And then we will enter, believe it or not, into our Advent series. Can you believe that? Uh, so that's the next series that is coming up. One of my hopes through this series is that our hearts will be in, reinvigorated with and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These, these five solas come out of the Reformation. Uh, modern times, this is the way people have summarized uh, the, the Protestant Reformation. What was it all about? It was about the five solas, some would summarize it as. But, but even more than that, I, I believe this is a great summary of our faith and, and a summary of, a go- of the gospel so that if someone were to ask you, uh, what do you believe as a Christian? We believe based on the authority of Scripture alone that God has saved us and now he is 100% for us in Christ and that grace is received, I mean that gift is received by grace alone, through faith alone, based on the finished work of Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So in a way, this is a good summation of what we believe as Christians. And in another sense, I hope something that you also see in this, not as not only is this a summation of what we believe, um, this could be a great way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If someone asks you, what do you believe? You can tell them that based on the authority of Scripture, that, that I believe people can be saved, made right with God, have a relationship with God. How? It's by grace alone. How? It's received through faith alone, not of works, but by simply trusting in the work of, of Christ alone. What we'll talk about this morning and what he accomplished on the cross, all for the glory of God alone. I also hope not only does this give you an idea of how we can summarize our faith and maybe evangelize the lost, but also comfort your own soul because we know that we are fickle creatures. We know that we don't have it all together, uh, but we know that our comfort comes in Christ alone and we receive Christ alone by grace alone through faith alone, all for God's glory alone. So in all these senses, I hope this encourages you. I hope this strengthens you and gives you some clarity of what we believe as Christians. This morning, we'll talk about solus Christus, or in Christ alone. One of my favorite summations of what it means to uh, be be relying on Christ alone comes from um, the Heidelberg Catechism. In fact, you don't know that, we, we sang it uh, this morning already in that song, What is Our Hope in Life and Death? Christ alone. This comes from one of the earliest Protestant catechisms, the Heidelberg Catechism, which I think came out in 1560-something. Remember, the Reformation kicked off in 1517, more or less. And here's the first question of that catechism. I love it so much. It says this. Here's the question. What is your only comfort in life and death? And here's the answer. That I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He has fully paid, that's what we'll see this morning, fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. And he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Why? Because the Bible promises it. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. What that is proclaiming, what the early reformers were proclaiming, that what scripture says is that we rely, the first question, we rely on Christ alone. And so there's so many ways to talk about this morning of what it means to that Christ alone. And, and so I really struggle with that because I'm not drilling down into particular passages, but we're going to see plenty. So you might want to write some of these passages down this morning. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 being a key text uh, for those, um, but to write some of these things down. And so I, I really struggled with uh, how, how am I going to line this out? And I was, I was reminded of uh, something that is at least attributed to, whether he said it or not, is probably debatable. Um, but uh, the Prince of Preachers, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, he said, I can summarize my theology. So that, that's what we're talking about, summarizing our, our theology, right? The five souls is one way. Uh, he said, I can summarize my theology not in five statements, but in four words. And here's what he said. Jesus died for me. He said, I can summarize my theology in four words. Jesus died for me. And so those are going to be the four points that we talk about this morning. Jesus died for me. And so you ready? Let's go ahead and take a look. Jesus died for me. Who is Jesus? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. I'm just going to read it to you. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time there. Um, Or you can just write it down for study later. So Jesus, who is Jesus? Christ alone. What are we talking about here? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. And so in the gospel of John, we see the gospel of John open up with this very clear statement of who Jesus is. And did you hear it? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And so when we talk about Christ, we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and he has dwelt among us. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so when we proclaim in Christ alone, when we proclaim that Jesus died for me, we are proclaiming that God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, the Word who was has existed eternally, who's always been around, there was never a time when he was not, for he is begotten, not made. And so when we proclaim that Christ alone is our everything, that Christ alone is our salvation, we are talking about Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Not us, but scripture alone declares that. And so let's be clear about that. We must see what the book says. And so God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son for us. 
that Jesus, that the eternal word took on flesh and dwelt among us. And this was God's gift to us. This was God's love to us. For God so loved the world that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 and 18. You can turn your Bibles there. Maybe just write it down and listen to it. Jesus. God in the flesh. Jesus died for me. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Here's what the Bible says. Scripture alone. What does the book say? Since therefore, so why did Jesus take on flesh? Let's start kind of building that out a little bit. Why did the eternal word take on flesh in Jesus Christ? Since therefore, this is Hebrews 2, verses 14 and on. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now there's a lot in that verse, but do you see the point there? That this is why why Jesus became man. This is why God took on flesh in Jesus, to be like us in every way, the Bible would say, and yet without sin. Since we had flesh and blood, since we share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things that he might do what we could not do for ourselves. That is destroy death that held us into lifelong slavery, to set us free, to be a faithful high priest, to be a propitiation for our sins, to bear the punishment for our sins that we could not bear on ourselves. That is why he took on flesh. God did. Jesus is like us in every way, yet without sin. And he is not like us in the exact way we need him to be like us, namely without sin. Listen to what one author says. He says, Christianity stands or falls on the incarnation of Jesus. We'll celebrate that for this Christmas season and our Advent season coming up. To save those who were, quote, flesh and blood, Christ himself had to become flesh and blood. To save the race of Adam, Jesus became the last Adam. In the incarnation, the eternal Son of God assumed a human nature. He was made of the same flesh we are made of and shared in our same experiences, yet he remained without sin. Though he was the creator of all, John chapter 1, though he was the creator of all, he became hungry. He grew tired. He ate, drank, slept, ached, and shared in these things that all humanity knows and experiences. This is the first, this is the first and one of the most fundamental truths of the gospel story that God became man. So we needed someone to represent us and we needed someone to be our substitute and that is Jesus. Romans chapter 5, another key text, sola scriptura. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that he became the second Adam or he became the final Adam. He became the, the, the figurehead that we needed. Romans chapter 5, 
verse 12 and following, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, this is Romans 5, 12, you can listen or write it down and go check it out later. And so through one man, so death spread to all men because all sin, for indeed sin was in the world before the law was given. And he goes on to say, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's Adam, we're all born sinners, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord." So God became flesh and he dwelled among us and he became like us in every way yet without sin in order to destroy death which had its grip on us and not only was he like us in every way but he was our substitute. He was the second and the better Adam. He was obedient where we were not. And so not only does he substitute as Jesus died for us, he stands in our place as the one who is obedience. Our creator would have been entirely just to leave all people in their condemnation as sin reigned through the sin of Adam. But out of his love and mercy, he entered into a covenant of grace with a people of his own choosing. In this covenant, God provides a way for us to be reckoned as those who have kept the covenant of works. But we are not the ones who actually keep the covenant. Someone else does it for us. That is why it is a gracious covenant. Christ, by virtue of his perfect life and atoning death, fulfills the covenant of works on our behalf. And on the cross, our guilt for failing to keep God's covenant was imputed to Jesus. That is, our sin was reckoned to Christ's account and condemned in the flesh. The Father made him to be sin. But not only that, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God reckons Christ's righteousness to our accounts. And looking at us in Christ, sees a record of perfect obedience and declares us righteous in his sight. That's good news. That's what the Bible tells us. That he became flesh and dwelled among us in order to be like us in every way because we were dead in our sins and trespasses. He became like us, Jesus did, in every way. As sin reigned through Adam, now grace reigns through Jesus Christ. All who receive him 
by faith based on the work of Christ alone by grace alone. That's good news. That there is hope for sinners because Jesus came for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave the second Adam. He gave one who was like us in every way, yet without sin. The one who created the stars came and dwelled among us. How did he accomplish that? Jesus died. Jesus died, the one who took on flesh, the one who obeyed on our behalf, the one who lived the perfect life. Brothers and sisters, hear me good. May this reinvigorate your soul that Jesus died for his name is Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. His death on the cross did not just create a possibility or an abstraction. He died for particular people. He died, well, I'm I'm going ahead now. He died for you. I think it's safe to say that, that, oh, it's a little cliche and you've heard this before. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. But I believe God died for particular sinners. I believe on the cross he died for Jared. I believe he died for you on that cross, not just making the possibility he did something for you. By his blood, you are redeemed. He loves you in that way. Jesus died. I get ahead of myself there. What, what, what is the death of Christ? Let's, let's talk about a few Bible words that will help us along here. His death is an atonement for our sins. All through the Old Testament. By the way, the book of Hebrews does a wonderful job of laying all of this out. If you want to see a full book of the Bible to lay all of this out, look at the, 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 the book of Hebrews. In, in, in the Old Testament, we, we heard about a day of atonement. That's what I read to you in Hebrews chapter 9, that they were constantly offering these sacrifices, but it had to happen year after year. On the day of atonement, there had to be continual sacrifice for sin because that sacrifice was not the final sacrifice until Jesus died once and for all. So what is the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ? It is atonement for our sins. Let's talk about a few biblical words. It's atonement for our sins. It's at one minute. It's becoming one with God. That as death reigned through Adam and we are separated from God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we are separated from God. By the death of Christ, we are restored to God's fellowship. That we can approach the throne of grace. That he passed through the heavens. That he went into the holy places. By his blood, Jesus offered himself to God. Romans chapter 9 verse 14 tells us this. Romans, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 tells us this. I read it to you earlier, but I'm going to read it to you again. By the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Jesus' death is an atonement for our sin. Jesus offered himself to God so that we might be one with God. What God demanded, he provided in Jesus. He demands perfection. He demands without The shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Without the perfect sacrifice, we must offer sacrifices over and over again. But as it is, the perfect Son of God took on flesh and dwelled among us so that we might be one with God. Jesus died. And Jesus died once and for all. His obedience was once and for all. His sacrifice was once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 lays this out for us. 
that this atoning sacrifice was once and for all. There's nothing left for you to contribute to earn your salvation. There's nothing left for you to build your resume so that you can show it to the Lord and say, here, based on this, will you save me? We are saved by Christ alone. Yes, for good works. But we are saved on the basis of Christ alone, on his merit alone. We don't get before the Lord one day and say, look, Lord, what I've done. We say, look, Lord, to Christ the Son. For it's by Christ alone that I have any hope. Our atonement, our salvation is based on the once and for all sacrifice of Christ alone. It's an atoning sacrifice. Jesus died. It's a once and all for all sacrifice. Jesus is also described as, as the Passover lamb. Do you remember what John the Baptist said when he saw Christ? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the true Passover lamb. Do you remember the Passover? When the angel of death passed over the people of God based upon the blood over their doorpost. Even if their faith was weak. Even if their faith was fickle. As long as their faith was in a strong and mighty God, the angel of death passed over. And John is saying, that's the lamb you've been waiting for. That's the land that you've longed for. Revelation chapter 5 says that we will worship around the throne. We will worship the one who is a lamb who has been slain. And behold, he's alive forevermore. He is the sacrifice. He is the atoning sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice. Jesus is the one and true Passover lamb. Jesus died. Here's another Bible word, propitiation. What did he accomplish by his Sacrifice. What did this lamb, this once and for all atoning sacrifice accomplish? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 tells us this. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. This is Hebrews 2 17. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Once again, the Bible is calling to mind the day of atonement. The Bible is calling to mind the day of atonement where two goats would be sacrificed. One goat would be killed. The other goat would have the sins of the people confessed over them, over that goat, and then sent out into the wilderness. The Bible is telling us that Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, the atoning sacrifice, the once and all for sacrifice, is a propitiation for our sins. Just as one goat was slain for the sins of the people, as that one goat took the penalty for their sins, the wages of sin is death, so Jesus died in order to take the penalty of our sin. Namely, the wrath of God that stood against us for having been rebels to the Most High God. That sin falls upon Christ. He became the sacrifice that he demanded. His love and mercy is overwhelming. He's our propitiation. He takes our penalty. And he's our expiation. One goat was sacrificed. The other was sent out into the wilderness for their sins to be remembered no more. So not only does the death of Christ serve as our substitute for the our standing in our place to substitute in our place to take on the wrath of God, his death also removes our sin from us. As far as the east is from the west, so your sins are removed from you. 
Hebrews 10, for all of those who had faith in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 17, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. This atoning sacrifice that's our propitiation, that's our expiation, is also our reconciliation. We're now reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 tells us this. This is a famous passage that you might be aware of. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God. What a gift. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us with a message of reconciliation. Just as sin brought death into the world, Jesus brings life into the world through Christ. Behold your perfect sacrificial lamb, Jesus, God in the flesh. He died the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the once and for all sacrifice for us, our expiation, our propitiation, our atonement, making us one with God, reconciling us to God. We could talk about others. We could talk about the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus, Jesus, the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. There's so much more we could say. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Jesus, God in the flesh, offered himself to God for us. Jesus died for us. Not only did he die, he had to die for us. There was no other way. He was glad to die for us, and he was glad to do it for you and I, for all who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because here's the good news. Jesus didn't just die. Jesus rose again. He was raised for our justification. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can write this down and go look it up. If Jesus was not raised, we are to be pitied. But as it stands, we do not serve a dead religious leader. We serve the resurrected King, Jesus Christ. He was dead and behold, he is alive forevermore. That Jesus stands victorious over death. He stands victorious over sin. And as he stands victoriously over these things, so do you. For if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That all the blessings of God are ours in Christ Jesus. That Jesus died for you. And now the Bible tells us, Revelation chapter 12, 11. You can look it up. Don't believe me. Look what the book says. That we overcome. By the strength of your faith? No. By your merit and good works? No. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That is our hope. That is our plea. That is our confidence. That is our victory. That is our strength. Our strength is in the blood of the resurrected lamb who died for us. That is the ground for our faith. It's not the intensity of our faith, but it's the object of our faith that saves. We overcome, Revelation chapter 12, 11, on the ground of the blood of the lamb. All of this received through faith.
Colossians chapter 2. Let me read this to you. Colossians chapter 2. Sola Scriptura. What What does the book say? Having been buried with him through baptism, which you were also raised in him through faith, not by works, but through faith, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, he's resurrected, and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. You are alive because of Christ. You are alive because of the blood of the Lamb. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses, you are forgiven. By canceling the record of debt that stood against you, your debt is canceled once and for all by the perfect sacrifice that stood against us with its legal demands as the law has thrown its accusations against you. Jesus has absorbed the punishment for all your law-breaking on his cross by shedding his blood. This he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. The atoning death of Christ is an act of obedience. Listen to what one writer says. is an act of obedience to the Father that involves his death, but even his obedient life leading up to this death. He fully obeyed the law of God and submitted to its demands in our place on our behalf. His death was a sacrifice in which he took our place and suffered the punishment that was ours. Our sins were covered and expiated. With God's wrath now appeased, he is reconciled to us and us to him so that we are now friends. We have been delivered from the bondage of sin and Satan. Satan is conquered and his power broken. All of this is from God's great love for us. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, what has he done for you? He is victorious for you over sin and death, something that you could not do on your own. It's on Christ alone. And he's done it for you to be received by faith, by grace alone, according to the book alone, the Bible alone. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. He became, he redeemed you by becoming a curse for you. Galatians 3.13 Galatians 5, 4, he redeemed us to become sons and daughters. Titus 2, 13 through 14, he gave himself to redeem us from lawlessness. You are redeemed in order to become a son and daughter of the Most High God. Brothers and sisters, he died for you. You are loved. You're blessed. You're loved. The Bible says you're clean already. You're justified. You're being sanctified. You're safe in the arms of the one who loves you. Jesus died for you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, Christ in you is your hope of glory. Now, brothers and sisters, we get to abide in that love that Christ has for us. If you ever wondered if God is for you, listen to what he tells his disciples in John chapter 14. As the Father has loved me, So I also love you. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, So also I love you. Jesus died for me. He loves me. The greatness of the Father's love for the Son, that eternal, unending, unbreaking, always and forever love, is the same love with which we are loved by Jesus. 
Christ alone is exactly what we need. And let me tell you this, it's more than just a transaction. He died for you. Here's what I mean by that. This This is where I want to start landing. That now we have, through this atoning sacrifice, we have communion with God. And here's what I mean. I think sometimes when we think about this truth, Jesus died for me, in our circles, I think sometimes we deal with it kind of like a transaction. And here's what I mean. Like, I've done the thing. I've, I've prayed the prayer. I've been baptized. It's kind of done. And now I just kind of go on living my life. Yeah, Jesus died for me, not we stop abiding in him, living out of that love that he has for us, that Christ alone is for us. And I think we forget that. I think we forget that he knows us before we know him. He loves us before we love him. He has plans for us even before we have any idea of where, what we're doing or where we're going. That he has this personal love for us. And here's what I mean by it's more than transaction. Imagine, imagine if someone like me would say something like this, like, hey, to, to my wife, um, look, we're married. We, we, we walked the aisle. We, we said the vows. We did the thing. We kind of got that taken care of. I'll see you later. I'm going to kind of do my own thing. And so that transaction's good. We, we kind of did the transaction. Jesus died for me on the cross. It's, it's, it's done. I've did, and, I, and I'm going to kind of go live, live my life. And can you imagine what I'd miss out on? The communion, the relationship, us enjoying life together and spending time together. And so when we say something like Jesus died for me, I think a part of what Jesus wants to see this morning is, at least what I'm praying for, that he would reinvigorate our hearts for the love of a simple statement like that. That I'm alive because of Christ. I have communion with Christ. My life now flows together with him. He is the vine, I am the branch. And apart from him, I can do nothing. I can't save myself. And I can't go on with my own power. I hope from this morning we, we see that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I hope we had reinvigorate the passion. There is no way for a sinner to be saved apart from Christ. I know that's controversial in our world, but the book says it, and we rely on Scripture alone to tell us what truth alone is. That he is the way. No one comes to the Father except through me, not even you or me or someone who thinks they have it all together. It's only through Christ. And no one goes on living except through Christ. Brothers and sisters, Jesus died for me. Do you have that assurance in your soul, that joy in your soul? Have you come to him through faith, relying on his grace alone? Can you say, as the early catechism said, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Christ Jesus. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood. And he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. That's what the Bible says. 
because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. If you don't have assurance of that love, I have good news for you this morning. You can, because it's based on the work of Christ alone, and he's done it. It's received simply by trusting that. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, I, I don't have it all together. You're qualified. You see your need. You, that's the Spirit showing you that you need Christ. And he's everything that we need. Let's pray.